0: Good good morning, it's good to see you. We're in Philemon, verse 20 and 21, and I want to uh, read the verse we're gonna be handling today. It said, yes, brother, may I have joy from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Since I am confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And then Lord, you see all of us today. You see me differently. I'm your teacher. I'm your preacher. And on me is a greater, a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that. And I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. And would you join me in praying the peace of Jerusalem together, let's pray. Father, we pray over the peace of Jerusalem. Your scripture uh, mandates that to us. You even tell us for those that do, you find favor with them. Lord, we we know you bless people, but our, our prayer is for the peace of Jerusalem out of just your request to continue to be a part of that prayer. And Lord, help us to stand today knowing that our prayer in this moment actually makes a difference. We pray in the uprisings that are happening throughout our land, the natural disasters that are going on, relief efforts that are going on all over the world. Uh, Lord, we, we ask you to raise up people who will stand, who will speak and who will influence the person of Jesus, your son, our savior. Help us to recognize today that you not only sent him, Lord, to uh, you not only sent him, your son, our Lord, to die on the cross and to be raised from the dead, uh, but Lord, you, in the words of Isaiah, when they, he saw him, he described him as the Prince of Peace. And then you ask us to be peacemakers wherever we are. And for those of us who do that, you call us the sons and the daughters of you. And I pray peace. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. His name that I preach. Amen. Be seated. It's good to see you guys. Uh, If you're new to our church or you haven't been here for a while, I. i'd always like to catch people up so that you'll know where we are we 're in the book of Philemon it 's just a few verses long uh i i want to can I let you into a preacher's world just a little bit uh and I try to be transparent anyway uh, but uh, i uh, I helped teach a group of guys and uh, some of them are in this service and uh Uh, Matt, I'm going to to throw Matt under the bus back there as well. But there's about five guys, and uh, they, uh, when I say the word Philemon, they say that they say to themselves, Mignon. Okay? And it, uh, I know, I'm just letting you in in the life of a preacher, all right? So you just need to know that every time that I say Philemon up here, in the back of my mind, I'm going Mignon. And I, I have to process that, and you not even know that I'm processing that. Because they said, we just want you to know, preacher, we thought about shouting it out a couple times, and I'm like, don't. Uh, which I just told you all, don't. Uh, but anyway that happens they've been teasing me all through the book of these verses of Philemon so just know when I say it a lot today I'm going mignon okay in the back of my mind so thanks guys I appreciate that so much Paul is writing a letter to Philemon uh, and he's writing a letter to him Uh, and he's writing about Onesimus, who is a slave to Philemon. Philemon lives in one area. Paul is in house arrest in Rome. Actually, Philemon is in the area where Paul wrote the letter, the Book of Colossians to the Church of Colossae. So he's in one place. Paul's in house arrest in Rome. You remember we say it, if you can't shut him up, shut him out. Uh, What's he in jail for? He's in jail for the gospel. Uh, How will that put you in jail? Well, when you're in Rome and you preach that your king has got greater authority than their emperor, that'll put you in jail. That'll get you in jail quickly. Uh, And he's under house arrest there. Onesimus is running away as a slave. And he runs and he finds Paul. We don't know how that happened, but it did. And he finds Paul. Paul ministers to him under house arrest and Onesimus surrenders to Christ. He wants to keep Onesimus to work with him, but he knows it's better to send him back to Philemon. Philemon and Paul are good friends, co-laborers. A lot of support, Philemon has a lot of support to Paul's ministry, praying for him, co-laboring, dear friend probably help finance some of his ministry. So they got that relationship going on. So Paul is writing Philemon to accept Onesimus back, not as a slave anymore, but as a brother in Christ. Do the kingdom thing. And I left you last Sunday with Paul telling Philemon, if he owes you anything, meaning Onesimus, I will pay for it. Uh, even a promissory note in this letter, I, Paul, write, and I will pay the bill, whatever it is. And I want you to remember the confidence that Paul has and the faith that he has. He's under house arrest. He's not making a living, but yet I'm 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 willing to take on what Onesimus owes you and pay that for pay that to you. Uh, and so you'll receive him back as a brother. Uh, so I w- he wrote, I wanna pay for his wrongdoing. And we know that that is a picture of Christ. That's a picture of Christ saying that he will pay for our wrongdoing as well. And even today in communion, during the invitation, we're gonna be remembering how Christ gave his body and God and how Christ shed his blood uh, so that we could be free, forgiven and free. So we, we begin in verse 20 today. Paul says, yes brother, may I have joy from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Uh, he calls him brother, it's another reminder. You gotta know that Paul is still working Philemon. Is he still pulling his heartstrings? Yes, he is. But he's doing it for a kingdom's sake. He's doing it for a kingdom response. He's wanting Christ to guard, to guide Philemon's heart. So he calls him brother, just a reminder. And he says, may I have joy from you? This is a nice way of saying, I need you to do me a favor. Uh, our, Our relationship, I've been tugging at your heartstrings in a kingdom way all during this letter. I need something in return from you. I I need you to do this favor. And notice this favor is in the Lord. You you have to ask, is this reasonable? It is reasonable. It is reasonable for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to expect something from each other in the Lord. Uh, Expectation is gonna be a key word today in the sermon. We have to ask ourselves, what is expected of us? Uh, In the Lord, what does this expectation look like? And we're going to be dealing with that. But this expectation is a kingdom response, not a worldly response or a response in the flesh, uh, which both of those can be selfish responses. It is a a kingdom response. Uh, Paul knows that the way Philemon responds, that the church is going to see it, the church at Colossae, that Philemon is a member of. And not only that, people in the area are going to see it too. I'll leave names out of this. Uh, got a call as a pastor. Uh, if, I'll not even mention the cities, but they're close by. And uh, they said, uh, one of the people from uh, the city government called me and they go, does so-and-so go to your church? And I was like, yes. And they said, well, they're at a city council meeting and they're acting like a madman. And I'm like, okay, uh, you know, uh, what can I do about it except to address it, which I did privately. But uh, I'm like, don't go out acting like mad people. Okay? Don't. It, it, should there be an expectation of that? I think I'm nodding my head, which way am I nodding? Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, I'm going to Russell Springs tonight to preach at the church I pastored there for a number of years before we came here. And it's gonna be good to go back. A lot of the men leading now were just teenagers when I was there. So it's, it's gonna be good to go back. While I was there, I got a call from a elementary school principal, his name is Wilbur Barnes. And he called me, and he goes, uh, "Jeff, I want to ask you something, okay?" He said, "I want to know what you all teach up there at your church." And I said, "About what?" He said, "Well, about the about the resurrection. What do you teach up there?" And, and I, I said, "Well, you know, we we teach uh, his resurrection was bodily, and we talked across resurrection." He goes, "Well," and the and the kids he were talking about were maybe third or fourth grade. He said. One of the kids that goes to your church on the playground got in an argument with another kid, and this kid said that Easter is about Easter bunnies. And said, your kid said, no, it's about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And he said, your kid beat up the other kid. (laughs) You know, Denny, please don't clap at that. (laughs) Will Will you not? I love you deeply, Denny, but don't clap at don't don't clap at that, okay? Then he's just over here going, yeah man, that's our church right there, right? Oh my. I still have work to do, don't I? Uh, and uh, so he said and, and and we knew actually the boy that beat the other one up is like a son to us. He's been to this church several times. In fact, I'll probably see him tonight. Oh, when I get there, I said, well, we don't advocate that, you know. Uh, are, are there expectations? The, the word expectation is big today. And it comes out of these verses that I'm giving you that Paul is writing to Philemon. And it, 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 should there be expectations of us? Yes, rightfully so. You know why? Because we're kingdom people and we have a king. And his name is Jesus. And we should live kingdom lives with kingdom responses. Not only am I gonna say the word expectation a lot today, I'm gonna to say the word kingdom a lot today. And he, he says to Philemon, I, I need you to do me a favor. And this favor is in the Lord, and that's reasonable. There's nothing unreasonable about that. Refresh my heart in Christ. Uh, let, let me know that you're thinking about doing the kingdom thing here. Let me know that. Uh, here, here lately, it's, it's been, I've, I've been dealing with a lot of people that are looking at marriage in the future, in uh, booking marriages with me, weddings with me. And uh, I, I've, I don't know that I've been more excited about it because people can choose alternative lifestyles and people can choose not to marry at all. And I'm, I'm really excited about the fact that I'm, I'm seeing excitement in these couples because I, I want to acknowledge them choosing uh, a marriage that is, that is a biblical covenant marriage. And I want to celebrate that with them instead of just some little pastor duty, you know? I want to celebrate that they chose marriage and they chose covenant marriage. I just think that's huge anymore. And my my point is there is a kingdom response and I'm seeing them choose kingdom responses in their marriage and it refreshes my heart. In Christ. It, It is important to see that when we respond with a kingdom response, it, it is a bit of refreshment today. Look, at, uh, Paul has already used this on Philemon. Look at verse seven, these are verses earlier. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. That, he, that Philemon is a refreshment, he is a blessing. And Paul is saying, I need that refreshment again. I know you can choose Onesimus back as a slave and you can punish him under law. And we don't want to advocate that Christianity and slavery go together. But Roman law did it that day. And he could bring back Onesimus, making pay his due and more. Uh, and Paul is saying, don't bring him back that way. Let's bring him back as a brother in Christ, not as somebody that you own. And he's going, refresh my heart that you're going to do the kingdom thing in this. I remember a sermon from a long time ago that I have preached to you, and it it was based on all I wanna be is a blessing. I wanna be a refreshment in the kingdom of God. It can be tough to make that decision, but it is a refreshment to the world when you and I do that. Look at verse 11. Paul already is talking about Onesimus the slave here, even though he doesn't use his word, you know Onesimus' name means useful. And so Paul is using a play on words. Remember when we had that sermon a little bit ago? Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. And he's bringing it back up again in verse 20. Uh, I, 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 I need you now, Philemon, I need you to be useful. I'm useful. Onesimus is now saved and he's useful more than he ever has been. And now we need you to be useful. When the kingdom of God is practiced, remember I said practiced, not thought about, practiced. It is a blessing, it's a refreshment. It is encouragement and there's encouragement for more. So should we expect to follow the Lord and be useful? The answer is yes. How many times does scripture say that we are co-laborers, which has the picture of work? And I don't mean just your work. I don't mean your living, it's just working in the kingdom. How many times does scripture say that be a workman? You know, you are to be a workman or you are God's workmanship. Uh, and how he shows what he does. Uh, Jesus even tells stories, once you've put your hand to the plow, and if you've ever had your hand to the plow, you know it's work. So should there be expectations for us? Yes. Yes, there should be expectations for us in the Lord. In, In fact, I didn't say this in the first service, I'm convinced Those are moves of discipleship for you. Here's what I found out in getting people active and doing things, Uh, even though they may be on milk and not meat. uh, Jesus sent his disciples out when they were not ready. Please understand that. Do you understand that? But they came back going, man, look what we discovered. Here's what I see, usually what happens is, no matter if a person is immature in Christ or mature in Christ, you've got certain plans to do when you go on mission for him, and what usually happens? Those plans usually fail. And you have to depend on the Lord to have it put together, and you come back with all kinds of stories of, hey man, you'll never believe how the Lord put that together, and I'm going, I'm a preacher, you know? That's what I do is believe, right? That he puts it together. So should, should we expect, should we have expectation that those of us who follow the Lord are meant to be useful? Absolutely. Look at verse 21. Paul gets even a little more detail. The expectations of kingdom life as the picture of obedience. And the obedience is the result of walking with Christ. Once you see Christ do things, you, you step in the small steps of obedience, it just encourage you to take more steps of obedience. He said, uh, he, I am confident to say this, that uh, obedience is what we do. Uh, uh, it's uh, Notice I said do. Don't just be hearers of the word but be doers. Last Sunday, told the story of the Good Samaritan, the man who was on the side of the road going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And uh, the the lawyer said to Jesus, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And um, he said, uh, you, uh, what, do you, what do you think the law says? And he, he, he spoke the Shema, which is, love the lord your god with all of your heart soul and strength and jesus said do this uh, and you will live he said do it don't just think about it do it and you will live Uh, it is it, it is it's important to know that there's kingdom obedience And we get confident in it. There's the word confident. The more obedience we do and we see God work, the more confident that we are in doing other things. And and so what does that look like? It it looks like the very part of that verse. It said, I am confident of your obedience, that you're gonna refresh my heart, you're gonna do the kingdom thing. Uh, But I'm writing to you knowing that you will do, and you see those two words, even more, in your mind, put quotation marks around them, even more. You will do even more than I say. Um, Even more is expected. Hey folks, for those of us who follow Jesus, we should never be shortcut people. We're not shortcut people. I, I can remember having to run laps around a football field or a baseball diamond or even the gym, the indoor basketball gym, and uh, it was pretty common, you know. Some of the, our better athletes, they would, uh, the coach would go in his office for a while and, you know, you got to run 20 laps or whatever, and while the coach was gone, they would cut half court, you know, and count it as a full lap. and uh, and we're struggling, at least I was, you know, but that's not who we are. We're not people who take shortcuts. We're not people who do just enough either. I I think one of the problems in the church today is we have a group of people who say they love the Lord and they love the bride of Christ, but they do just enough, just enough. I'm, I'm gonna do just enough. I'm gonna do just enough. What did I tell you to put quotation marks around? What's that, what those two words say? Will you repeat them back to me so that I know that you're here? Even more. I, I'm, uh, that you will do even more. Yes. It's the teaching of the kingdom. The teaching of the kingdom is not shortcuts. That's right. The teaching of the kingdom is not just enough. I, you know, I pray for words of knowledge. Here's one to you. The kingdom, the kingdom principle is not, well, I just showed up this morning, he ought to be glad that I'm here. <laughs> he, just, he ought to be glad I'm on his team. It's not, it's even more than is expected. Let me give you a teaching from Jesus in the Gospels. It's Matthew five, forty-one. Jesus is in a series of teaching things that actually have legal realms. We're not gonna get into all of them, but we'll get into this one. And uh, he's teaching here, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two. The Romans had a law that their people in government could ask you to do something and you had to do it. It came from the Persians and the Persians did it and it was a way of government uh, and uh, They didn't have freedoms. Uh, They had some, but they didn't have that. And so uh, a government official or somebody working, even in the army, whatever, could come in and ask you to do something and you had to do it. And so the Romans took it from the Persians as a way to govern people and uh, to even hold them accountable and then make them useful. So, uh, so the Romans took it from the Persians and they adapted it around, but government authority could require or force you to serve them at any moment. I mean, they could see you working out in a field, in your own field, and go, well, I need you for a moment, and you would have to quit your work to help them out. They could even require your animal uh, be it a donkey or an oxen or whatever that is, they could, they could require to unharness that in your animal and let us use it in such a way, and that, that was enforced in that day. And, and one of the ways this passage is taught is a, a law that they would have known, uh, and it's, I'm not saying it specifically to this, but it was very common for a Roman soldier to be moving from point A to point B and they would have a backpack on. Backpack would weigh about 80 pounds. And so there there could be a group of soldiers, probably not wise for them to be alone. But if they're tired, they come through your area, and they see Jeffro out there on the sidewalk, they could go, hey, Jeffro, I need you to pack my backpack for me and give me a break. I could say, well, man, I I really don't have time. I could say that, but it wouldn't do any good. Why? Because Roman law said I had to stop what I was doing, carry that soldier's backpack, and by law, I was only required to carry that backpack one mile. And they knew how many steps that contained a mile or made a mile. They didn't have Fitbit, they didn't have an Apple Watch, but they knew a certain amount of steps was a mile. Then after I have carried that a mile or X amount of steps, then I could drop the backpack and give it back to the soldier. He could carry it or just find somebody else to carry it for another mile. And the, the, the way we know that Jesus is talking about this law is because he uses the word forces. If anyone forces you to go one mile, carry that soldier's backpack one mile, then he goes, don't give it up then. Don't do just enough. Take it the second mile. Quotations, you go back to that verse, Miles. And you're supposed to read my mind as to which one it is. Uh, and it, it, where, he, where he says, even more, it's that one, Miles. Uh, where, he's, where he say, and we'll do even more. Listen, the kingdom, the kingdom of God doesn't ask for shortcuts. And just enough, the kingdom of God asks for even more, second mile. I I know some churches that are being started in North America, and some of them are naming their church the Second Mile Church, which I I actually like that. But here's, the word force here is a key word. You're forced to go one mile, but the second mile is on him meaning it's on the Lord, it's a kingdom response. Now to show you how this law actually is in reality, do you remember when Jesus was carrying his cross and he was having trouble carrying that center beam and the, the Roman soldiers said to Simon the Cyrenian, and so if you're not careful, you'll get to thinking that Simon, the Cyrenian just saw Jesus stumbling and went to carry that center beam of the cross? No, the Roman soldiers compelled them, compelled Simon to carry the cross. It's a picture of that Roman law. Most of the verses that handle that say that the soldier compelled Simon to carry the cross. One of them says the soldier seized him so you, you and I can be thinking in the story that Simon's going, man, Jesus is having a tough time, which he was. And I'll run out there and help him. Not the case. It was the Roman law. It was the Roman soldier going, I compel you. I'm seizing you to carry it. And he had to do it. He was forced to be able to do it. So I I want you to see that law carried out in practice when it comes comes to the gospel. Paul is not forcing Philemon to do anything. There's not a force here. But he's really searching that, that Philemon have a kingdom obedient response to this situation with Onesimus. So today I want to leave you with this. In the Lord, it's not could it be that he's looking for me to have, to, to have expectations of following him even more, it's uh, I should be expecting him to have expectations of me following him more. Um, there are times I don't want to be a preacher, I don't. But the call of God is on me and I know, it. it doesn't mean I'm, I, I want to leave my faith and I don't want to serve Jesus. I, I told somebody that this, I had, I had somebody get a little mad at me and I said, I don't want to remind you, that's why God made preachers, so you'll have somebody to get mad at. You know when I know you most get mad at me? It's when I tell you the truth. I did that with my pastor. The more he told me the truth, Hand it was Dr. Jones, by the way. The more Dr. Jones told me the truth, I just did not like him. You know, and God, I know, I know, but you know what? Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. How are they going to hear if they don't have a, you finish it, if they don't have a preacher? And I know God's called me to this, but it's not always a hip, hip, hooray. And the point of it is, I don't want to pull shortcuts. I don't want to do just enough to make you happy. I myself have to do even more. As a pastor, this is the mile that you go, but he asked us to go the extra mile. And I just want you to know, when I see the, the Holy Spirit wake you up, and when I see... Uh, revival fire within you. And I just want you to know it refreshes my heart. Absolutely refreshes my heart. But in the Lord, there should be expectations of doing even more. These expectations are kingdom responses, not the way the world does it or the flesh does it, but the way the Lord would have you do it. The world's gonna come after you. We're gonna go through suffering. Don't go, oh man, I hope we don't have to go through suffering. We're gonna go through suffering. He said we would. Paul even said, Lord, I wanna know you, the power of your resurrection. Do y'all know enough to finish that verse? And the fellowship of your suffering. So if you're looking for a life that doesn't have suffering in it, you're not gonna find it with the Lord. But I want to tell you, during those times of suffering, he walks closer to you. He's a personal escort, do you know? But it, it, is, it is expectations. No matter, the world's not fair. The world doesn't pick the right people. Uh, the world will step on you to get an advancement in something else. You, you'll, you'll come to me and you'll go, man, preacher, the world is not fair. And I'm going, I should have taught you that a whole lot earlier. Don't ever think it's fair. It's not fair. But he never said it would be. But he said, I will lead you through. we even saying that today, that he will lead us through. Kingdom reactions, remember, are a blessing. There's dark areas that you go into. You may even live in them. But you're light to that darkness. There's blessing there. We're called to be salt. And sometimes you think, well, salt, man, hurts the wound. Salt brings flavor. Salt brings flavor to this world. It's refreshment. So just know that kingdom reactions are blessings. And expectations are even more let us be people who go a second mile and let us be confident in our obedience that God is going to use it. You may, I said something to a lady this week. I said, these are steps of obedience. I said, I called her my name and I said, do you realize these steps of obedience will affect the entire world? She said, thanks for that. But it's a a reminder. When God moves you, it's for something bigger than what you can see. And you go on in it anyway. So I want to remind you of this. I want to remind you, Lord, even more. Not shortcuts, not just enough, but Lord, even more. It's the words of Isaiah at the end of his time in the throne room, Lord, here am I. Man, send me and I promise you he's gonna take care of you in that. I just challenge you in your obedience. And speaking of obedience, it's a great segue into communion during our invitation. Our whole invitation is gonna be communion for you. If you're here and you're a believer, you follow the Lord in baptism, we practice open communion. You're invited to the table, but I wanna remind you this. this. This is not my table, this is his table. You come the bread it represents the body of Christ that is given to us and today we remember the gift of Jesus his body given to us took all the punishment for us we remember the drink that represents his blood without shed blood there'd be no forgiveness of sin there'd be no freedom in Christ and and we have the freedom When the world tells me to doubt, I have the freedom to believe. When it tells me to worry, I have the freedom to have faith that God is going to work it out. I just have the freedoms that I have in him. And there had to be a penalty for our wrongdoing. Remember I told you last Sunday, Paul, he, uh, he said, I'll pay for all of Onesimus' wrongdoing. And it's, it's really the picture of Christ. He has paid for all of our wrongdoing. And he, his grace is upon us, his mercy is upon us. And may we remember him today, his body given. And his bloodshed uh, look at first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26 for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes I want to tell you that when you do communion today you're uh, you're saying he's Lord of your life without saying a word we're remembering that he's Lord of our life and two. When we take the cup and the drink, the drink and the bread today together, we, we are looking to his return. It says until he comes, even with, even with this, we are looking for his return, the return of Jesus. We are looking for it. And so when you do this today, you're saying He's Lord of your life without saying a word. But you're also saying, "Until you return, nobody believes in the return of Christ more than I do." But I want to tell you some things about the return of Christ for just a moment. Uh, I, I want to I want to help you with this. Be ready. To uh, to Hezekiah in the Old Testament and his sickness, the Lord said, get your house in order. Make, make sure your house is in order. Be alert and be ready. I, I told you a few sermons ago with uh, the situation with uh, Israel and Hamas. And it, it might think you about eternity. I'll take that. But you should have been thinking about eternity before Israel and Hamas. That's what kingdom people do. We think about... We think about uh, what the Lord has in store for us in the heavenlies. We think about our citizenship being in heaven. Uh, So a a war going on shouldn't spark my interest in eternity. As a kingdom person, I should already be thinking about eternity. I mean, my best day is not gonna match even my first day. Do you understand? I, I mean, it's gonna be absolutely incredible. Uh, it, it's, you're going to wonder why you didn't go there earlier. So in the meantime, we know that he's coming back. Even the Lord's Supper is depiction that he is returning. Look at, uh, look at Acts 1, 6, and 7 for just a moment. This is where Jesus is ascending and the angels are coming down to talk to the disciples. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who's been taken from you, the ascension, uh, into heaven will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. Even at the ascension, they're reminding them he is returning. So we're, we're looking for that return any, any time we're looking for that return, and I know that spark can bring debate, but we're looking for his return. Look at Acts 111 for just a moment. The disciples are coming together here. This is before the ascension. And it said, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times and periods. that that the Father has said on his own authority. Folks, listen, I don't know when he's coming back. I just know that he is coming back. When we take communion today, we're saying, until you return. Even the angels know that he's coming back. I don't know when he's coming back. Could this be it? It could be, but you know what? I'm ready. When he comes back, he will not come as a thief in the night to the eating home, all right? He'll come as a welcomed guest. I've been looking for you all along. What took you so long? He'll be a welcome guest to us. But only the Father knows. And so you rest in that. That the Father's timing will be according to what he has already set in motion. But until then, we work. Not taking shortcuts. Not just enough. what did I tell you to put in the parentheses? Even more. When the world says, I go one mile, the Lord says, in the kingdom, you go two. And that's who we are, until his return, We have work to do. We have people to get the gospel to. Why does he tarry his coming? So that more people will come to repentance in him. But one day, he is returning. The angels know it. The table reflects it. As we remember his body given and his blood shed, it's until he returns. And we say to the Lord, come quickly us pray father it's a time of remembrance we remember the gift of your son jesus all that he is to us savior lord christ the anointed one he is all of that to us lord and we thank you for him we remember him stepping out of uh, his preeminence in heaven we he stepped out of there to come and to live among us and to also pay the penalty for us. He paid for our wrongdoing. And we remember him today, Lord, and we say thank you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray together, amen. Church, let's stand if you will, take your time. You can take communion back to your seat and take it. You can take it here on the altar, whatever you need to do. But the invitation is this, the spirit and the bride, they say, come.